Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Proclaim Emancipation Podcast. This episode, I'm going to be discussing plants and their importance in every aspect of our lives and just all life in general. Uh, without plants, we couldn't exist, and without us, plants couldn't exist. There's a cycle of life that is constant. Well, I mean, maybe plants would... I mean, well, no, because they'd eventually run out of oxygen, I guess. But, um... Because you need... We cycle in oxygen and cycle out co2 they cycle in co2 and cycle out oxygen you know pretty basic stuff we all learn about that in middle school or whatever but it's it's you know it's very important to remember that because there is you know as much as the whole global warming thing is bullcrap and they're trying to save the rainforest you know just using an excuse whatever we do need the rainforest we we do you know, I guess, you know what I mean? Quite honest, there's so much land out there. And I mean, if you just travel throughout the Midwest and the United States, there's just so much nothing. And it's just so much room for plants. And, you know, I mean, there's there's a lot of plants out there. Plants dominate this world. We only take up, like, 1% of 1% of the total, like, mass on the land. You know what I mean? It's all, it's all plants. It's all plants. Uh... But we're currently seeing pretty much an attack on all life, which includes plants and us. Because even if things like, okay, so let's just say, you know, in, you know, hypothetically, they're spraying a bunch of chemicals in the air from airplanes and they're getting down into the plants. And then the plants are getting eaten by the animals and the animals are getting eaten by us or we're eating the plants. So all you do is one action by, say, spraying chemicals or metals from an airplane it dropping down onto crops everywhere and then by just doing that you're poisoning the the land you're poisoning the plants you're poisoning even plants that aren't getting eaten all that you're getting, you're poisoning animals and you're poisoning humans by just one act so you know i mean just straight up i mean they're you know they're doing this with chemtrails they're spraying stuff like aluminum out of airplanes and it's getting in the soil that's affecting all life on Earth, which, you know, makes me not understand what the chemtrail. It makes me think that there's not a non-human element to the chemtrails because that's, I mean, it's evil. That's evil. That affects all life on Earth. So, you know, that's the totally different subject. But what's equally also as bad for the plants is going to be the glyphosate, which is like the Roundup, you know, any pesticides, herbicides, all that crap. But glyphosate is the big one, especially on crops like uh, wheat and sugarcane, corn. They are relentlessly sprayed with glyphosate to the point where they have Monsanto has their own special GMO seeds that are glyphosate resistant. So, or not, sorry, what what is it? So is it glyphosate resistant or they're designed to withstand glyphosate something like that they modify the seeds to be to work well with glyphosate or whatever it is and just relentlessly spray the plants that's why wheat when people when we eat wheat here in the united states that's why people have gut issues i don't gluten might have some tiny tiny part of it for certain people with gut issues but the problem is the glyphosate the glyphosate i mean wheat is just relentlessly sprayed with glyphosate and that's being eaten by us and if you go look you know there's so many products that have wheat in them unbleached wheat any wheat you're gonna get it's gonna have a bunch of chemicals like you can if you go get really high quality 
say like the best the best you can do is sprouted wheat flour but even you know that that's it's it takes a lot of wheat to get what you what you need um it pretty much any wheat you go buy at the store any product you have with wheat at the store it's going to have glyphosate sprayed gmo wheat and it's going to destroy your gut over time if you eat you know people that eat a lot of pasta they they, they want and what, what were we told forever that you should have 10 servings a, a day for your grains, you know, the breads and rice and all that. That's what the food pyramid said in school. But what's that do? Destroys your gut. That's why we have people that have so many gut issues in the world. You know, you go look at baby food. There's so much wheat and baby food. You know, all the cereals are all made with wheat and sugar and like it, it, when you look at the ingredients for all the foods that we have, it makes you realize why we have so much gut issues, how I have so many health issues. It, it's our food. It's our food. So, you know, the best thing you can possibly do is grow your own food. The best thing you can possibly do is care for your own plants because you go to the store, you buy it pretty much, unless you're buying a good organic non-GMO store, you go buy like any franchise chain food store grocery store whatever you're gonna get stuff that's gonna have chemicals in it you're gonna get stuff you in the organic food you're gonna get stuff that has something it's none of it's gonna be good well quite frankly it's almost impossible to have something that's not gonna have something in it because they spray the skies and they spray the chemtrails and it gets in the soil so you got to really go out of your way to have food that doesn't have something in it you know, let alone the fact that the glyphosate just gets in the soil and it stays in the soil a really long time. I think it takes like five years for glyphosate to clear from the soil or something like that. Oh, it's bad. It's bad. I mean, so much of you trace back to Monsanto. Monsanto, you know, created Agent Orange. They've been creating chemicals to destroy life and plants and nature forever. Not forever, you know what I mean? Since they've been created, what, in the late 60s or whatever when they started? evil evil company but uh you know there are ways to get a lot of this stuff out of the soil there are certain plants that are very good at getting things out of the soil i'll discuss that later in the podcast it's really interesting stuff because all it would take would be planting some of these plants around you know especially in your like water supplies because a lot of the stuff gets into the water like there's cycles to everything you know the we okay so if they're spraying all the crops and the crop runoffs runs off you know the the chemicals run off in the water get in the ground those run off into underground uh rivers and flow they flow somewhere they're flowing you know into rivers and then those rivers are flowing into lakes people are eating the fish in the lakes the water's evaporating from the lake into the sky and getting you know precipitating and then you're that's dropping as rain and cycling back into the soil getting on our skin getting you know and it it's this constant cycle of chemicals just getting rotated around everywhere and you know when it's in the water supply enough and you know it's in lakes and the ocean we I mean we there's so much crap in the ocean I don't know how actually um you know I'm sure it's much more diluted in the ocean but it's still you know this stuff is being sucked in uh precipitated into clouds and then it's getting dropped as rain everywhere so it's it's constant it's constant it's something that we all need to take as humans to recognize and realize and just take action because quite frankly it would only take like 
five to ten years of to get a total reversal of the soil and nature that that's it that's all it would take would be five to ten years maybe not even that maybe not even that you know you get enough people planting the right things doing the right things withholding from all chemicals and these toxic fertilizers and all this stuff i think we could regenerate most of all of nature within five to ten years that's just my opinion but from what i've seen it's surprising how quick you can reverse toxic areas or chemicals and just by doing the right thing and there's natural ways to do it all too um yeah it's we just don't we just haven't put the ever it could cost money basically is what it comes down to it would cost money and they wouldn't get money out of it so boohoo that's you know that's their excuse and that's always going to be their excuse until you know money doesn't matter or something you know i don't know what it'll take for people to realize that we need to it's it's not us it's not us the people going and destroying nature i mean as a byproduct of us needing food and all this stuff they use this as an excuse to go and because they need bigger farms bigger farmers but that you know they're not they're monocropping there's so many bad tactics that they use and so many just bad farming methods and all the stuff that they use because they're forced onto these farmers by these big corporations that need more food they need you know, they get deals to use these chemicals. You got to use certain tractors that, you know, and now they're trying to, that's what this whole thing with the Dutch truckers is all about. They're trying to make them reduce emissions. Like they were in a food crisis and they're limiting how much gas truckers can buy or farmers can buy because of emissions or how much they can. It's, it's insane. It's, it's all planned. It's all orchestrated. And the way you get around it is you grow your own food because there is going to be a food shortage coming. I don't know if it's going to be a true shortage, but the food's going to cost a lot. It's going to be harder to find, you know, on, you know, I, some people think that there's going to be troops in the grocery stores by September. I don't know about all that. That seems a little crazy, but if you're going to do it, if it was, you're doing it, orchestrating it and you're doing it as a strategy, you're going to do it starting September, October, because no one can plant food in September, October. And what are people going to do for food over the winter? If, you know, shelves are bare, you gotta be growing inside. You gotta get some grow lights. And you got to get a generator for those grow lights, quite frankly, because they shut off electricity like they want to. You can't grow inside either. So people need to be on top of these things. We need to be prepared because, you know, there is a global orchestrated effort to take down societies. Um, that's, you know, that's why I'm making this episode, because you need to be growing your own food. You need to be caring for plants, recognizing we live symbiotically with plants, so they live symbiotically with us. And we need them and they need us. And we can't be destroying each other like we are. Um, I think this whole climate change thing is just total bullcrap. Uh, it's it's just a control thing. It's all about control. Uh, I think that the climate change is, in a sense, what's happening right now, like this heat wave and all this stuff. I think this is just cycles. I, I think there is an aspect of it that is man-made, but I think it's by them gen geoengineering, by spraying stuff in the skies, by, you know, things like harp, they're messing with weather patterns and frequencies, and, you know, these cell towers affect weather. There's so many aspects that they're doing it, but they, it's us because we're driving cars too much. We drive too many cars, and cows fart too much, so you're not allowed to drive a car. You're only allowed to have this much gas. You're not allowed to eat meat because the climate's changing even though there's natural cycles and we're just using it for power you know they want carbon tax they want to make it so you can only 
buy gas in this time. You can only use electricity at this time. You can only use so much water. It's control, control, control. But guess what? You get out of it by doing your own thing, by growing your own food, supplying your own water, have, you know, every supplying your own energy, wind, solar, doing all these things on your own. That's that's the answer. That's I mean, quite frankly, at the end of the end of the day, that's the only real answer I see to be a truly free, sovereign individual is to be self-sufficient. And to do that, it's very important to learn plants, learn their importance, what what plants are medicinal, what foods are good for what, where to grow, how to grow, all this. There's so much that you got to learn about plants. And I'm, I'm still working on that process. It's constant, constant learning about plants, but I find it fascinating. There's so there's the plant life is the plant world is just fascinating. Probably the number one most important thing though you can do right now really truly is learn to grow your own food. And I've brought this up multiple podcasts and the easiest way to get into it, how I got into it is just sprouting. Just start growing sprouts. Everyone should be growing sprouts anyway, simply because it's really easy to do and they're the most nutritionally rich foods pretty much on the planet alfalfa sprouts broccoli sprouts you know anything just anything get a jar and get some seeds and get some water and that's it i've talked about how to sprout on other podcasts you know it's it's simple soak the seeds rinse the seeds twice a day that's it that's it um yeah right now you need to learn to be growing food because especially indoors um because of the winter, there's a good chance, you know, there's going to be issues with this food supply over the winter. I mean, it's probably going to be different everywhere, depending on where you live. You know, I, I live in Ohio, so I can't really, I can't grow anything outside in the winter. I mean, you know, I already grow microgreens inside. I already grow my sprouts inside. You know, I grew sprouts out, you know, I grew sprouts just fine over the winter indoors with a jar. You know, you just get a little bit of sun through a window. You'll be fine. You'll get enough. Um, you can even get trays of microgreens if you have a good spot where you get some sun, but just get some get some cheap LED lights, and then just grow inside. Get a little shelf and start growing some food. You know, start with sprouts, and then move up to microgreens, and then try growing full grown grown plants. Um, you know, full grown plants just take a longer time, you know, more time so you can go wrong. But that's pretty much it. Uh, yeah, I can't, I can't understate how important it is to start growing your own food. I can't understate it enough. Even if you're not growing right this second, start buying seeds. Go to trueleafmarket.com and just start buying a bunch of seeds. Sprout seeds, microgreen seeds, regular vegetable seeds. Just buy seeds. The seeds are going to be more important than money pretty soon, most likely. That's for sure. I mean, they already. I mean, they already are significantly more important than money, but, you know... Seeds are going to be priceless at some point. They're going to be priceless. So stock up on that for sure. They're going to be a currency. Um, yeah, basically, if they, they have it their way, they're going to have this digital ID that's going to be hooked up to your vaccine passport, that's going to be hooked up to your carbon record, that's your digital ID, that is going to limit you being able to buy food because of reasons, whatever they're going to make up. So get on I, I again just buy, learn to grow your own food god it's so important it's so important you know the answer to everything that can go wrong with society is being self-sufficient 
that's the answer at the end of the day. So there are a few main reasons. Obviously, I already kind of stated them enough, but I want to go over a little more. But the three main reasons I believe that you should be growing your own food are, one, the health benefits, two, the self-sufficient aspects of it, and three, the spiritual aspect of it. Now, the spiritual aspect kind of ties in more so, I guess, with the health part of it, but it's also very specific. There's a, there's a deeper nature to when you're growing your own food, when you're getting your feet in the soil, you got your hands in the dirt, feet in the soil, especially if you're grounding while you're doing it. Getting in the garden with your hands and feet in the dirt is fantastic. That is so good for you. You're out in the sun, you're getting fresh air. There's just a feeling to it. It's different. It, it feels like it's what you're supposed to be doing. At least when I'm out doing it, that's how it feels. So there's a deeper, there's something deeper about it, especially when you get out and you start talking with the plants, you know, doing all that thing. They listen. The plants listen. You know, the plants know who you are. The plants, you know, they share your energy. It's, there's a lot deeper level to it than you just going out and throwing some seeds in the ground and, you know, calling it a day. It's, it's much better than that. Go out, you know, meditate, you know, meditate in your garden with your plants and all that. It, it, there's a deeper aspect to it. So next is the health. I want to talk about the health. And a lot of this is obvious and some of it isn't, you know, like the the spiritual aspect is also going to be health aspect of it going out, you know, getting the exercise, getting the fresh air, getting your hands and feet in the dirt. Those are going to improve your health immensely getting the sunlight but also obviously growing your own organic non-gmo foods is going to be wonderful for your health you're not going to be getting those pesticides herbicides fertilizers all that crap you're going to be having higher quality seeds and a really important aspect to it is the closer you are to picking the plant picking the vegetable from the plant and eating it the more nutrients you're going to have. Because as you pick it, when you're getting a whatever tomato from Peru or something and it's getting shipped up here and you're eating it, in a, you know, those things traveling thousands of miles, it's not grown for your area. Like different, there's, there's a reason why different plants grow in different regions because they're different environments, different climates, different conditions in the soil. We're not meant to be eating a tomato from Peru because we're not living in Peru. So we don't get, it's, it's like a genetic aspect to the plant. It's not necessarily nutritional, but there's a genetic aspect to it. So if you have foods that aren't meant to be eaten by you in your area, it's, it's just going to affect your body differently. You're not going to get everything you should be getting out of that fruit or that vegetable. So the closer you are from eating it, you know, off, right, picking it and eating it, the healthier it's going to be, the more nutrients it's going to have. Oh, and also, sorry, and also being from Peru, it just, the, over that time that it takes to get there, you just have de- degradation, you get nutrient loss, and it's just not going to be as nutritionally rich. So, straight from the plant and eating it is the best you could possibly do. It's fantastic. And that goes for pretty much any plant, any vegetable, you know, eating it. Well, obviously, you want it to be ripe, too, but the closer you are to eating it, picking it and eating it, the more nutrients you're going to get out of it. Um, yeah, the big reason we have nutrient issues is monocropping, which, uh, you know, if, if you're growing the same plant over and over and over and over again every year, you know, and all you're growing is, say, corn in a 
hundred square mile area or whatever, you're you're going to be destroying that soil and just sucking all those nutrients out of the soil, and so that nothing really can grow there. Especially when you're GMO and fertilizers and all that crap, it just destroys the soil. So a big thing you can do with your garden is crop rotating. So you got some plants, you know, lettuce and broccoli or whatever in this area, then it's whatever, whatever in this area. It's gonna mix up that dirt, the you know whatever the roots and all, because the roots they you know degrade into the soil and you till it, you're getting all the those nutrients or the that plant matter and all that is going back into the soil composting and giving those nutrients back. So if you just have the same thing all the time, that that's all you got. So you can't, you're never gonna be able to grow anything else there, but say corn if that's what you're growing in that area. So it's very important to rotate your crops. You know, it's, it, it's very important. Uh, permaculture is what I really want to learn more about. But that's really what we should be doing is permaculture, food forests. You know, just planting fruit trees everywhere you possibly can. That That's the stuff that we need to start doing. You know, forget having yards with a bunch of grass. Just start planting trees, just fruit trees, nut trees, whatever it is. Just something that bears fruit, something that bears food, any food at all. That's what's going to have value. So uh, uh, another, basically the two biggest things with the health and nutrition value is the added nutrition from eating it closer to picking the harvesting. And you expect, well, if you, sh if you are growing at home, you should be growing organic. You shouldn't be using any chemicals or anything like that. So that's also, you're not going to be getting those chemicals or any other crap that you'd be getting eating it from the store. So those are the two main things. Now, microgreens and sprouts are a different level of nutrition. Uh, they can have like two, they on average, like two to eight times as much nutrient density as a fully mature plant. And up to like 40 times. You know, there's some nutrients that are just through the roof, like broccoli with sephorophane, through the roof and sephorophane levels. And, you know, it's, it's incredible stuff. It's, me it's medicine. It's medicinal. That's how fantastic they are. But I have a little list put together. This is the list because I, I was um, doing farmer's market before I got hurt doing uh, selling sprouts and microgreens and stuff. And I printed out there's a lot of people that don't know the benefits of sprouts and microgreens so i printed out a little page for them you know to get an idea of how useful they are the benefits of them what certain health benefits they'd help with and you know what they're good for and all that so i'm just going to read you off the little list here that i got it's not super detailed but one is uh this is for sprouts and microgreens they improve with digestion because they have a high amount of enzymes that help digestion as well as sprouts being fairly e very easily digestible. They boost metabolism because most of them contain protein and they're all very high in enzymes. They promote weight loss. Uh, sprouts especially are very high in nutrients but very low in calories and the, the fiber also helps you feel full. It improves heart health. Sprouts are a great source of omega-3 fatty acids, especially alpha-linoic acid, which is an essential fatty acid. Boosts the immune system because they're high in essential vitamins and minerals, including vitamin C and zinc. They help improve eye health because many of them are high in vitamin A. This is interesting I didn't know about, but they relieve cold sores because there's a specific amino acid called lysine, which inhibits the growth of cold sores and treats them if they appear. This enzyme can be conveniently found in a significant amount of sprouts, which I found interesting. 
And then uh, microgreens and sprouts contain four to 40 times the nutrients than when they're 40, fully mature. It's, it's mostly two to eight times, but like I said, there are some that are significantly more uh, nutrient-dense than others. And they are also useful for preventing certain diseases. I'm not claiming this to be a doctor, but this is just what my research has shown me. Uh, they're good at preventing heart disease because microgreens are a rich source of polyphenols, a class of antioxidants linked to lower risk of heart disease. And animal studies show that microgreens may lower triglyceride and bad LDL cholesterol levels. Alzheimer's disease, which I believe is, I think it's just heavy metal buildup in the brain. Uh, they can, are antioxidant-rich foods, including those containing high amounts of polyphenols, which may be linked to a lower risk of Alzheimer's disease. I think that you just need to detox to cure Alzheimer's, but that's that's me, uh, my opinion. Diabetes. Antioxidants may help reduce the type of stress that can prevent sugar from properly entering cells. In lab studies, fenugreek microgreens, I love fenugreek microgreens, or um, fenugreek sprouts mostly. Fenugreek microgreens appear to enhance cellular sugar uptake by 25 to 44%. And then certain cancers, because they are antioxidant-rich uh, vegetables, especially those rich in polyphenols again, may lower the risk of certain types of cancers, and polyphenol-rich microgreens may be expected to have similar effects. Greens like broccoli have very high cefluorophane, which has been shown to be excellent for fighting and preventing cancer. That's very well known that cefluorophane is very, very good for fighting cancer. Uh, broccoli, broccoli microgreens and broccoli sprouts, I mean, talk about superfood. Like they, they talk about a superfood, that's a, a legitimate superfood. So nutrient-rich, it should be called medicine. So health, you know, Hippocrates says, let the let thy food be, no, sorry, let thy medicine be thy food and let thy food be thy medicine. It's very important because a lot of the food we eat today is crap. It's borderline poisonous. You know, we're eating foods that not every single thing in it is synthetic or some sugar or, or worse, an artificial sugar and all this, you know. There's a lot of crap in our food supply today. And we need to replace all those nutrients that aren't there and get rid of all these chemicals and toxins that are they're letting us or letting them put in our food. You you'll you'll feel so much better. You have no idea how much better you feel if you start growing your own food. If you even eat just 40% of your own homegrown food like microgreens and sprouts, you would feel significantly better. And I know because that's what I did. For months, all I, I ate 40%, about 40% of my total diet was just sprouts. And it helped significantly. So health effects of growing your own food can't be understated. Next, next uh, major aspect is the, well, I guess the last one, sorry, is the self-sufficient aspect of it. And I already pretty much talked about that enough. You know, being able to grow your own food and not have to go to the store or, you know, grow your own food and... You know, if you have your own animals, you have a chicken, this cows, you can do all that. That's a different level. But growing your own food is the start to being self-sufficient. And it's it's important. It's very important. It's going to be even more important coming up in the next couple of years. So it's something we should all be striving for. Now, I talked about this earlier in the podcast. This is something that I just started looking into myself and found just really interesting is 
certain plants that are out there that are really good for detoxifying, purifying soil and the air. Now, we know that there are plants out there that purify the air. Um, there's plants out there that are good for mitigating EMFs. Now, there are also plants that are good for ridding the soil of chemicals, ridding the soil of heavy metals. So what it is is phytoremediation. Phytoremediation plants refer to the use of uh, living plants to reduce, degrade, or remove toxic residue from the soil. So basically, you can use plants that decontaminate the soil and have true sustainability. Um, you won't need you know, heavy machinery and all this stuff. You don't need any of that crap. You don't need fancy technology. You just need to plant certain plants. And we can, after you know, a period of time, you can detoxify the soil, purify the soil. It's, it's, I mean, fantastic. You know, and it's really like really familiar plants too. So like alfalfa, sunflower, corn, date palms, mustards, you know, willow, many simple trees, poplar trees. They're, they're very cheap. They're very simple to grow and they are great for regenerating the soil. And it's, I mean, it's a must. It's a must. So a couple of plants that remove certain heavy metals. Uh, is, one is the alpine pennygrass, which has been found to remove 10 times more cadmium than any other plant. And then uh, was another one, Indian mustard, which removes lead, selenium, zinc, mercury, and copper. That, I mean, that's amazing. To get lead and mercury out of the soil with one plant, I mean, that's, uh, you know, and it's just Indian mustard. That's it. It's pretty simple. And then you have one known as Indian grass, which has basically the ability to detoxify, you know, your herbicides and pesticides, stuff like glyphosate. And it's, it's one of actually nine members of grasses that assist in phytoremediation. Uh, so when you plant that on the farmland, you're planted as like a cover crop with your other stuff. It is great for removing all those pesticides from the soil. And you, if you are using it, you know, it, use pesticides they'd actually remove the ex excess um you also got some other ones buffalo grass western wheat grass those are all capable of absorbing hydrocarbons and even plant like broccoli is capable of removing metals from the soil so you know plant some broccoli get, get those metals out of the soil and then you got sunflower which is capable of getting compounds that are found out of like coal and tar which they're present in pitch, creosote, and asphalt. You know, all these kinds of, you know, all the, the chemical process they have to go through to create those leaves a lot of heavy metals and crap. So, but sunflower is capable of absorbing heavy metals, especially lead. Sunflower seems to be a great uh, phytoremediator. So, you know, throw some sunflowers around and then, you know, just let them start absorbing some heavy metals. Just let them go and take them and then dispose of them i mean it you can't go wrong you know just get some seeds and start throwing them around what what's what what's going to hurt you got some sunflowers growing around okay sunflowers even been shown to remove uranium from the soil i mean if it can remove uranium it's going to it's going to be able to remove most anything plants are powerful plants are strong they are greatest allies in this world so we should make use of these plants they want to they want to help us 
they want to be spread they want to they want to love us they want to be eaten by us they want to be cared for by us so you know we should be using them to all of their abilities last couple plants i want to talk about are ones that willow the willow is great for getting heavy metals as well and also for um, purifying sites that have been polluted with diesel fuel uh, another one that's been shown and is being studied more extensively is the poplar tree because they have a root system that absorbs large quantities of water and carbon tetrachloride is a well-known carcinogen and is very easily absorbed by the poplar tree roots they also degrade petroleum hydrocarbons and like uh, benzene or even paint thinners that have been accidentally spilled into a you know, the soil or whatever which happens and you know they, they they're doing more research into this but the more plants we can find like that the the more of a chance we have of saving the environment and uh poplar trees they're you know they're great for detoxing and they also look you know they look nice so if you can't really go wrong by having a, a tree that looks great you know is very aesthetically pleasing and detoxifies the soil you, you know they should be all over the place it's very important for us to realize that there is a natural remedy for everything. Everything can be solved with some sort of natural method. We need to stop trying to find a complex solution to our complex problems. The The solutions to many of our problems are simple. We as a society you know, see everything as so complex because we've made everything so complex on ourselves. Life shouldn't be that complex. It should be very simple. Live off the land, live in harmony with the plants and with the animals. You know, grow your food. It's, it's very simple. We've, through our comfort, we've, we've convoluted everything into being infinitely complex. You know, the closer, the closer we get back to simple origins, just growing our food, supplying our water, living with the plants, living with the animals, the healthier we're going to be. We've got so far away from that, especially people that live in cities. They don't even, they don't know what a forest looks like. They don't know what it's like to grow your own food. You know, what happens in New York City when the grocery stores are closed down? If you can't get in the store, if you don't have your carbon digital ID or something, what do you do? You don't have a field that you can go grow food. You got to get out. What do you do when you can't get out? And, you know, that's, you know, People haven't figured out to get out of cities by now. I don't know what, you know, really you can do. If people haven't seen a lot of this stuff coming. I don't know what you can really do. You know, it's been two and a half hours, or two and a half years of this COVID stuff, and people don't see where this is heading. It, you know, it's just going downhill more. It's not going uphill for us. So we need to get back to natural roots, get back to natural remedies, get back to growing our own food, getting closer with the plants and with the animals getting our hands and feet in the dirt start living that natural life because unless you're going to live their fully digital life that's that's the way we got to go get back to nature get back to god get back to living self-sufficiently and we need plants to do that and we should always be respectful with plants because there there are studies that have shown that they are intelligent they are sentient you know, they don't have a brain or a nervous system like we think of it, but there is a sentience to them. Uh, really fascinating book that I've been reading is called The Secret Life of Plants. And it was written, I think, in 1973. 
And I, I don't know how much of it is, you know, holds up today or how many experiences are going on today with it, but I, I've seen a little bit of, you know, some stuff, but some people don't like a lot of what's in the book. But some of the studies I found very interesting were the one where there were two people and then two plants. One of the people destroys one of the plants, just destroys it completely. And then the other person just cares for the other plant, the, the plant that's not destroyed. And then, like, a week later, they had the two people walk into the room. Well, they had walk in separately to that the plant that wasn't destroyed. The person that walked in that took care of the plant walked in, and there was no reading. I think it was a spectrometer. They were using some sort of electro um, electrograph. And uh, the person that destroyed the other plant walked in, and there was a major electrical signal, like a major signal coming from the plant. So it... It knew it was like a distress signal, basically, and it knew that that person had destroyed the other plant. So it was distressed. It was, you know, I don't know if that's sending a message to other plants, if it's just freaking out internally, whatever it is, you know, but it's almost like a, a reaction on a lie test or something like that, or a lie detector test. Basically, the same idea. And I, just stuff like that's very interesting. You know, there were studies done that show that you know, plants are able to, to detect, uh, Say if their owner gets injured from you know from long distances, you know plants are able to basically detect that any cells die within or like around them if any life is harmed and around them if a plant is cut or something around them they'll they'll recognize that. You know, this is I want to do some of these this stuff myself. I find it incredibly interesting that you know you don't want to have to destroy plants in the process, but. It's very, very fascinating to see, you know, plants reacting, animal-like behaviors coming from plants. You know, see, I love watching time-lapse of plants, watching them grow and watching them move around. And there's certain plants like peas where you watch two peas with, a, like, a pole in the middle. And you'll watch them, like, compete for the pole because only one can go on the pole. So they're kind of, like, competing. Fascinating stuff. Fascinating stuff. But, you know, it's become more accepted by mainstream science, a lot of this, uh, you know, but there's also a large sect that see plant intelligence and all that as total pseudoscience and total nonsense and all this. But, I mean, it's it, sh it should be widely accepted at this point that plants are sentient on some level, have some sort of intelligence. You know, there's it's very well known there's more studies being done on, say, like mycelium networks that show that through the soil, plants and trees are able to communicate through these basically fungal networks. And then you get into things like slime mold, which I don't understand slime mold at all. But there seems to, there's no real, it's not really alive, but it's intelligent. It's, uh, you know, what, what does that mean? I don't, I don't know. But it's interesting as hell, you know, watching them form these little networks. And it's fascinating. It's really fascinating. I don't know what to make of it, but there's so much room to learn about all this stuff. What is intelligence? You know, they're, we're going this digital route because I personally, I think they figured out intelligence a long time ago and they just, they hold it, they hold it off and they try to make everything about a digital intelligence, this creating an artificial intelligence, but nature already has a form of artificial intelligence. Not, well, 
it's artificial in the sense of have we see it because it's not regular intelligence it's not but like a slime mold is, seems to be intelligent you know mushrooms are, seem to be intelligent you know, what what does that mean i don't i don't know I, some people think that everything is sentient some people think that the earth is itself is alive i don't i don't know maybe maybe it's just not alive in the sense that we think maybe it's possible for the earth to die and if the earth dies everything dies with it i don't i don't know I don't know what to make of it, but it's fascinating, fascinating stuff. A lot more needs to be put into learning things like this instead of all the crap we put time into learning, you know, like what celebrities sleeping with who or something, you know, important stuff. No, we should be learning about fungal networks and how plants communicate with each other. And that's what we should be learning about, so... So I hope you enjoyed this episode a little bit, you know, learned a little bit about plants, you know, got some motivation to go start growing your own food a little bit, maybe. It's something we should all be doing. I, I eventually want to be teaching how people how to grow food, how to work towards being self-sufficient. But it's a process, you know, we're all, you know, I'm currently wheelchair bound, so I can't, I'm sure as hell not self-sufficient right now. I mean, I can do quite a bit in the wheelchair, but, you know, I, I can't walk, so, you know. It is what it is. I'm still growing my microgreens, though. I still got my plants. They keep me company. Uh, yeah. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Hope you learned a little bit. Hope you want to start growing some plants and looking into plants a little bit. But yeah, uh, thanks for listening. I love you all. And continue in love and abundance. Mm-hmm.